Kathy Zaka. Hi, I'm Susan Offen. And I'm Laura Potter. And we're your hosts today for Pure Truth. We want to welcome you to our podcast and thank you for listening. Today we will be finishing up our discussion on unity. And our scripture for today is 1 Corinthians 1.10. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say and that there are no divisions among you, but that you will be perfectly united in mind and thought. Amen. All right, here we go. Um, As Susan just mentioned, we're going to finish up our discussion on unity today. We talked about it last week, but I want to say again that unity is so important to God. We need to understand what God wants for his children in this area because it is different than what we've always thought. It's time for change, big change, and it's coming. So to prepare, we need to get on board with what God's doing. Susan, you want to get us started? Sure. In John seventeen twenty through 22, it says, Pray not only for them, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, so that they may be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, that the world may believe that you sent me, and I have given them the glory you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. That's good. You know, the Holy Trinity is the prime example of unity and communion, something we will ultimately participate in if we reach heaven someday. Heaven will essentially be communion where we are unified not only with God, but with each other. And I believe we can have the heavenly communion right here on earth now. Yes. Above all, we need to strive for unity in truth coming together to fight against injustices with charity. If we can stay united together under the leadership of Jesus Christ, we are able to thwart the plans of the devil. We described in detail how Satan attempts to attack us in our episode, Spiritual Warfare, that was released in November of last year. Mm -hmm. We even experienced warfare during completion of that episode. Yeah, we did. Yep, right? As we have expressed before, Satan has no new tactics. He just deceives us in subtle ways the majority of the time in our thoughts and mind. And churches many times fail to recognize the schemes of the real enemy, and they don't usually have a plan to respond. Right. That's that's good right there. They usually don't have a plan to respond. I, I think that we're living in such a time that we just don't even realize how deeply embedded the enemy has got, even into right. our churches. Mm-hmm. And people don't understand what's really going on around them. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. That's so good. It's again, it's not living in a defensive mode, but an offensive mode and have a strategy ready when the enemy attacks you to know how to respond right right away. And it's in putting those type of people in leadership that do understand what's going on so Mm -hmm. that they can recognize it and say, hey, whoa, let's stop right here. Everybody stop. Right. Let's (laughs) let's, let's talk about the plan that we've Mm -hmm. got in case this happens. Yeah. You know, that's good. Yeah. That's good. I found an article on churchanswers.com, and it is written by Chuck Lawless. The article is titled, Eight Ways the Enemy Attacks Churches. Chuck Lawless helps us get a summary of how ruthless the enemy is attacking our unity in the church. Yeah. First, there is a, a congregational division. Churches have been divided over budget decisions, worship styles, or song choices, 
Bible versions, community, outreach, global missions, staffing choices, service times, and so many other decisions. Mm-hmm. Some <laughs> I, mean, I could just imagine people that are involved in doing that, they're all shaking their head going, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yes. This is just ridiculous. Yes. <laughs> so, also time-consuming. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sorry, and go ahead. Some being much more important than others, but the enemy still knows this truth. Yeah. Believers make little dent in the darkness when they shoot each other in the back. Exactly. Oh, wow. Right. It's really good. Yeah. Secondly, there is false teaching. Yeah. Some group leaders that aren't equipped to teach or for leadership have no internal system to recognize or address the problem. Right. No oversight or accountability for curriculum taught in small groups. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's good. Right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You know, or like you just, you've mentioned before, Laura, the curriculum always is the same and never changes yeah that's that's typically what it was when i was growing up you know it was always the same curriculum used year after year they change up a little bit but it's the same format the same and i'm like i can't be on this merry-go-round right you know i need god wants us to grow fresh words from the lord right new insight new what's what's going new understanding right there's always more to learn yet why are we still doing the same old stuff over right. and over and over and, again. And what she was talking about with small groups, you know, you really got to trust these people's homes that you're going into, that the ones that are teaching what they're saying that they're going to teach, that it's from God and not mm-hmm. not them putting their, not own, their own ideas. slant. Right. Right. It's just, we, we need to get back to a place where we can trust that. Right. You know. And discipling right. others. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A third way the enemy can attack churches is through family breakdown. Yeah. I believe the first thing the enemy attacks after the individual's mind is the family. The enemy tries to cause division within the family. It might start with a conversation between the husband and wife by the enemy planting an idea in the wife's mind, like why your husband was so late or or vice versa. What do you mean? You said you stopped to go get (laughs) to go go pick up whatever. Love is not jealous. I know. (laughs) Right. The wife questions the husband and he feels yep. accusation right mm-hmm. so he feels he needs to defend himself and now it builds into an argument yeah the children start bickering because there's strife already there occurring yeah hopefully the couple decides to work things out if however they do not choose to they become another struggling family who cannot see the strategies of the devil right. mm-hmm. and the fourth way is hidden sin in church leadership yeah yeah that's definitely a thing. Yeah, I've seen that a lot. Yeah. And the fifth way is transfer growth diversion, which could be refined to as church hopping and mm-hmm. seeking out emotional or spiritual highs. Yeah. And the sixth way is self-dependence. Some churches would exist for some time even if God withdrew his presence. Right. That is, they operate in their own strength and ability, but they do it well. Yeah, yeah. it's like a business. Yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, it, eventually people that are, that are, that do know, they'll figure it out and yeah. they'll just leave. Yes. They'll leave. The seventh way the enemy can attack a church is discipleship distraction. Oh, that's good. The enemy delights in churches that have no strategic, effective discipleship strategy. Right. After all, these churches have no plan to teach believers how to wear the full armor of God. And see, and I experienced that. You know, yeah. we, we went to some, after we left the you know Baptist denomination. Right. We went and checked out some other churches, and they were very seeker friendly churches, you know, and they were really, really good 
at evangelism. Right. About getting people in. That's what I mean by seeker friendly. They're really good about getting people in off the street that wouldn't normally go to church, but they invite them through activities and all kinds of stuff that gets their attention. And then they may become, you know, Christians, but then there's no discipleship. Like right. they drop the ball on discipleship. Yeah. And this is where we found the disconnect, you know, and this is where we, you know, approached those that were in authority and right. said, so what are we doing about this, you know? And and it was basically we were put down because we were questioning what they were doing. Right. So we just said, okay, yeah. time to go. <laughs> and, and that's that's sad because you say you were put down. So the whoever that leader was, whoever was in that position. They were threatened not, by what we were right. saying. They're not willing to right. listen mm-hmm. and check in with God. Right. You know, to see if, if that suggestion should be taken, you know, and, and, right. and move forward with it. They just think about they've got their mind made up. That's the way it's going to be. You're not going to change yeah. it. Well, that church ended up closing. Yeah. Well, there you go. After we left. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. you know, I mean, but, you know, that's going to happen when you're yeah. not doing things God's way. Right, right, right. Or the Holy Spirit's not there. Right, not leading the direction. Right, right. Yeah. Yep. Um, they frequently leave new believers to fight battles on their own, select unprepared persons, right. right, for leadership, and then provide no training for those leaders. Because no no one disciples them, like you're saying, Laura. Mm-hmm. Their members often lose battles in a spiritual war they didn't even know existed. Right, yeah. they're not prepared. Like no. some of those leaders, you know, they're very charismatic. They're, they're very, people are drawn to them. So because you see that, you know, they're not being trained. They're just like, oh, well, they can carry a crowd. You know, they can, people listen to them. But you got to make sure that they're lined up with God. Mm-hmm. You got to make yeah. sure that they're speaking what God says needs to be spoken. That's why we need to study the word for right. ourselves. Right. Yeah. And not re- depend on anybody else. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. The eighth way is hopelessness. It's easy to get here. Oh, yeah. Church leaders give all they have to give, yet with few results. Right. The church is dying, but unwilling to change. Mm-hmm. Lay leaders protect their turf. Yes. Staff members sometimes battle among themselves. Seemingly, no lives are experiencing transformation. What's the point? Mm-hmm. The enemy asks, why not just give up? Right. Yeah. That's the thought he puts in your mind. Yes. <clears throat> we a lot do of have. People do. They give up. Yeah. You know? Yeah. What's the point? Like you said, there needs to be vision. Yeah. We do have hope, of course, in Jesus' words. Matthew sixteen eighteen says, I will build my church and the forces of Hades will not overpower it. Right. The enemy is viciously strategic against the church, but we need not let him win. Right. I agree. Yeah. I'd like to refer to the story of Lot and Abram in Genesis thirteen five through 8. Now Lot, who was moving about with Abram, also had flocks, herds, and tents. But the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarreling arose between Abram's herdsmen and the herdsmen of Lot, the Canaanites and Perizzites, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing them properly, (laughs) were also living in the land at that time. So Abram said to Lot, let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herdsmen and mine, for we are brothers. Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. And if you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Surrounded by hostile neighbors, the herdsmen of Abram and Lot should have pulled together. Instead, they let petty jealousy tear them apart. Similar situations exist today. Christians often bicker while Satan's at work all around them. 
Rivalries, arguments, and disagreements among believers can be destructive in three ways. The first one, they damage goodwill, trust, and peace, the foundations of good human relations. The second one, they hamper progress toward important goals. And the third one is they make us self-centered rather than love-centered. Jesus understood how destructive arguments among brothers could be. In final prayer before being betrayed and arrested in John seventeen twenty one, Jesus asked God that his followers be one. Right. You know, Jesus mentions many times in the Bible that we are to be one in unity, not divided. If we are doing things right, meaning we are asking God for counsel and wisdom in all things, there will always be a solution to an argument or a disagreement. Rivalries will be stopped before they ever get started. And the mess our world is in would never happen again. But I'm still praying. I'm still hopeful. And I'm definitely encouraged by the things that God has spoken to me and many other prophets about unity and where we're headed in that in that regard. Yeah. You know, Kathy, when you were talking about solutions to arguments yeah. and disagreements, uh-huh. and it just reminded me of a mission trip my husband and I led years ago. Uh, this was back when my husband and I worked in youth ministry, and we'd taken the kids up to Chicago to do an inner city uh, work there. And we stayed at my dad's church in a suburb of Chicago. And we knew the kids really well and spent a lot of time with them. I mean, they were always over at our house doing activities, oh, you know, sure. and Let's involved. go to the Potter's house. Yep, yep. <laughs> that's a fun time. <laughs> Party at the Potter's. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And there was this new girl that came, and she joined uh, us on this trip, you know, because her family had just joined the church, and they wanted to get their daughter involved. But as with every youth group and every youth trip, there's always some type of drama that, oh, that happens, right? Been there. Yeah. yeah. And so the new girl and another girl that was already a, an established leader of our youth group began fighting, and it was causing a, a big divide, you know, among the, the youth group. Right. And our, our youth pastor came to me, and he said, if I would just, you know, take the girls aside and have a talk with them both. And I'm like, oh, great. What am I going to say? I don't why know what to say. Me? Yeah, why me? Because I'm a woman, you yeah, know. Right. I had no idea what to say to them. But uh, so I just went and spent some time alone in prayer, and I grabbed my Bible. I looked up a few scriptures on unity and about loving one another. And I just brought him into my, my dad's office, actually, you know, because nobody was there. We were just using the church to stay there. And I sat them both down facing each other. And I, as I talked to them, you know, and I shared with them the problems that they were, you know, causing by their, their fighting with each other. Right. And I shared about the importance of this mission trip and how we needed to work together as a group. And I shared some scriptures with them that I had looked up. And they were both, I sat them, you know, so that they were both looking at each other, but they weren't looking at each other right now. You know, right. they were just kind of looking in other directions. Like, why am I here? Right. Gosh. Right. right. <laughs> you know, I don't want to hear this. Right. You know. So I said, I want you two to just sit there, and I want you to look at each other. So they looked up, and they faced each other, and I said, you know what the problem is with you two? You're both a lot alike. Both of you show very strong leadership skills, and because you're both, you know, because of that, you're butting heads and arguing to see who's going to be top dog. I love it. (laughs) And they both laughed at each other, you know, when I said that, because I think they realized, yeah, "Yeah, we are both a lot alike, you know. And then I looked at the new girl, and I said, I don't know how they did things at your previous church, but at our church, we don't want to let the enemy win and break us up and keep us from making a difference on, you know, for God on this trip. Right. And then I probably cracked a joke or something, <laughs> you know, and I sent them back to the large group. Yep. And after that meeting, you know, they got along really well, and there was no more fighting, and the mission trip was a success, and both of those girls ended up 
you know, becoming best friends all yeah. through high school and college. Love it. And wow. they're still friends to this day. And now they're in their 40s. Wow. That's you know, so wonderful. Because I could see their friends on Facebook, they get together for reunion type stuff, you wow. know, with their old friends. So I think, you know, the key uh, was speaking the truth in love with those two and praying and asking the Holy Spirit to guide everything that came out of my mouth in that moment for unity to take place and for yeah. the Lord's work to be spoken through me. Right, right. Mm. That's good. You know, I think that's a great example of a rivalry that got stopped before it got out of hand. Right. That we were just talking about. And all you did was point out how wonderful both of them were in their own way. Right. Right. right? You know, and because you prayed, the Holy Spirit guided you on what you need, what you needed to say. And instead of being divided, they came together in unity. Mm-hmm. And look what's happened since then. Right. We're better when we're in unity. Mm-hmm. All right. I want to talk about where we, the church, or you know, we call God calls us the ecclesia. Right. Where we're headed in this new year. And just in case you're wondering, it definitely involves unity. We need it. Yes. Yeah. So we've been mentioned Elijah list and Elijah stream several times over the past few months. So some of this word I'm going to read to you came from there, but you can also find this on Dutch Sheets. Give him fifteen that he does daily. Mm-hmm. He's just so good. Yeah, it's I really just, good. Yeah, I really like him. So Dutch interviewed Chuck Pierce about four or five months ago, and they talked about unity. So I'm going to read some of what they said because it's so good. And this interview is titled Going Up Higher. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to start with Chuck Pierce. He said, I consider this year a key transitional year for us in the spirit realm. And that is very important. With that, I see that when it comes to kingdom versus kingdom, it also becomes government versus government. We will see the ruling demons behind those governments or the ruling force of the Spirit of God behind government. That summarizes what we're talking about. The government of God has matured, and he's talking about the ecclesia here, and I believe we now have the backing of angelic host. Hmm, I love that. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, and then Chuck says, Dutch, when we were speaking together last time, I saw how God was circling this nation with those angelic hosts. It's a year of divine recovery. And when you look at that in Hebrew... It is a rising up together. We are coming into a new unity in the body of Christ. Amen. Yeah. We are understanding each other's gifts, rising up together. We must understand how to open up and recover the fortunes that have been taken from us and open up new supply lines. Mm-hmm. That goes back to the world we keep hearing that new things are coming, this new era. Right. It's coming, guys. So Dutch responds to Chuck. He says, Chuck, that's incredible. And I believe that. And one of the one of the things I think of almost every time we're together is how God uses the prophetic and apostolic anointings together and how important it is for us all to listen and hear. Some think of it as being mystical, but it's becoming normal as it should be. Right. In the supernatural and in the natural, to realize that we can receive impressions from the Lord and He actually speaks to us. So when we pray, we desire to say what He is saying. So in the higher level of intercession, as far as its scope and realm of authority and warfare we deal with, we know we are praying according to the times and seasons he has us in. We know that if we pray according to his will, he hears us. There's no point in making decrees if we are just decreeing what we want. No reason to make declarations just because we are fired up or excited. We have to know what God is saying. So it seems to me that the prophetic is always going to a higher level. You've said before that we, when we are in service together and when I'm speaking, it awakens the anointing in you prophetically. But when you speak, it awakens the anointing in me. It's the agreement in the spirit, the coming together of what God does when he mingles these anointings. He takes them to a new level. 
And I think that happens not only for people who have corporate leadership, but also in prayer meetings and intercession groups. The more we come into agreement at a heart level, our anointings mingle, our authority increases, and God does just what he says. And I love what you said, that as we work together in unity, we bring out the anointings and the gifts of God in each other. It's like we bring out the best in each other. Yes. You know? It's all about just putting Working together. Right. Unity. Right. And I love what Chuck says. He replies. He says, see, you just described where we are headed. In the last season, we thought we could do unity. Well, that's not unity. I think you and I are a great example of unity. He's talking about him and Dutch. Mm Mm-hmm. And I submit, this is Chuck saying this, I submit to your apostolic gift as well as your teaching gift. We are all learning to submit to the gifts, learning to submit to the highest anointing in the room or in the meeting, or in a strategic gathering where we are dialoguing over how to advance. Submission means we are standing under. I like this part. Mm -hmm. I stand under your gift when I'm there with you. But we are also resisting. Resisting means we are standing against. If we didn't have an alignment of our giftings, I personally could not resist the enemy at the level that I do. Wow. Wow. But because of submitting to God's order of giftings, we gain great resistance. And then the devil has to flee. And I believe it's one of the problems we have not understood. And the Lord says this, no greater faith have I seen in all of of Israel than those who understand authority. That's from Matthew Mm 8.10. The centurion soldiers understood authority. But faith works by love. And I believe as we start to walk in unity, we will love and honor each other's gifts in a way we have never done before. True unity will give us a power we didn't have before. We must have it in this supernatural season that we are in. It's so good. And now he says here, to finish it off, he says, we are in the process. People, get ready. We are about to get our next level of anointing. And it's going to bring us into a supernatural realm where we can take territory, love it, where we can increase and move forward. Isn't that good? Yeah. Yes. Yes, I love, I love it. Y'all have to go listen to the whole thing. It's got some really good information. And I want to talk about it. It says, you know, first, I love that Chuck mentions that the government of God or the ecclesia has matured. That's where we're at now. We've mm-hmm. matured in, the, in walking with him. And he now believes that we have the backing of Angelic Host. I love that. And I can attest to that because I've seen the angels myself. They're here. And they are helping us in monumental ways. But it's all about that partnership, mm-hmm. you know? Right. It's about being aware of it. And I love what Dutch says, that the prophetic is going to a higher level. I feel it. I definitely feel that. Mm-hmm. And when we come together, we are in agreement in the spirit. And God mingles those anointings and takes them to a new level. This is God's remnant working together in unity. And the more this happens, the more miracles people will witness. It's exciting. It and then, is. And then Chuck talks about where we're headed. And I love what he said. I want to repeat it. He said, in the last season, we thought we could do unity, but that's what we've been doing is not God's plan for unity. Chuck says that he submits to Dutch's apostolic and teaching gift when they're together. It's about learning to submit to the gifts and also learning to submit to the highest anointing in the room. We are all standing under God's anointing while resisting against the enemy. These things are now possible because of what Chuck mentioned at the beginning, which is that we have matured in our giftings. And like Chuck said, True unity will give us a power that we didn't have. So there are so many changes coming, and we will see and experience unity like we've never had before. I can't wait. God is going to deliver us, but we must fight alongside him. Mm, You know, it's that, that it's a making yourself humble. Yeah. You know, lowering, not lowering yourself, but you're just becoming, you have that spirit of humility. Right. Where you can 
submit yourself under someone's authority because you know that they have the higher authority in that position. Right. But then you have a gifting that's totally unique. And then when you speak and it's your turn to lead in something, then you're the highest authority in that anointing at that moment. And he could pass that ball back and forth. God will. He will. Right. But you're saying that what you said there about, you know, submitting to the highest authority in the room. It's Mm -hmm. about having an intimate relationship with God because when you are under that anointing, Mm -hmm. right? When there's more than one person in the room that has prophetic gifts or has mm-hmm. apostolic gifts or the teaching, whatever it is, right. it's about just listening to the Holy Spirit and having Him guide you because that's when the miracles, right? That's when the beautiful thing happens that God can work through all of those leaders, mm-hmm. everybody in that room. Then it's like a well-oiled machine working yes. together, right? right. Yes. Oh, that's a good like visual. Yeah, and it's a force that cannot right. be defeated, right? The enemy like, can't like come Jesus in. said. The gates of hell will not prevail, prevail. Right, right? And the church will, yeah, stand right. <laughs> and not be defeated. It's so exciting. So, do you think unity is lacking within God's church today due to the fact that the Holy Spirit isn't invited into our midst as it was once before? Oh, yeah. You know, maybe it's because the church today is run so much more like a business. Yeah, you said that earlier. Yep. yep. And we've pushed out the Holy Spirit's guidance and leadership and opted for something that we can control. And we have a predictable man-made order. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, we got to end the service at just the right time. Right. We got to do this. We got to do that. Okay, everybody in, everybody out. Like right. cattle. Yep. You know. Right. Got the next service coming. I'm like, good grief. Yep. Clock's ticking. Mm. Everybody, everybody's got to go to lunch. Right. Don't want to miss the cowboy game. <laughs> so I've heard it all. <laughs> think about what Second Corinthians 3.17 says. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That's That's right. right. Freedom, you know, to move in and out and do the things that God's calling us to do, to move according to the Spirit and get the work of God done, not the work of man. Right. Right. So let me give you an example of a time when I personally experienced the spirit of unity. This took place, you know, years ago when I was still very much involved in my Baptist church, and but I had been reading a lot of books on the Holy Spirit and prophecy and I had read a couple of books from one particular author who was a prophetess named Eileen Fisher. Yeah. She's really good. Yeah. The first book I read was titled Embraced by the Spirit, and the other was Embracing the Prophetic, you know. Yeah. But both were really helpful to me. And it was funny because I found those books as I was walking through, I think I was walking through a, just a Christian bookstore, and it was the Holy Spirit said, oh, yeah. pick up this book and read it. Say that. Yeah. yeah. And it was like, okay, you know, because I was homeschooled by the Holy Spirit. I yeah. just did whatever the Holy Spirit told me. And it was, that's how I found this lady yeah. and her books. Wow. So thank you, Holy Spirit, right? Yeah. You know, I signed up, you know, to be on her, you know how you have to sign up on people's email right. list and, and yes. get, you know, updates and all that. So one day I saw that she was going to be in the Dallas area ministering for one night only. And I felt really impressed, you know, an unction in me to go to that meeting. Right. But I didn't want to go to this meeting alone, so I called my best friend and I asked her if she'd go with me because I'd never been to a prophetic meeting. Right. You know, this is my first time. And the night of the meeting, we arrived at the location where the church was having the meeting. And I looked at the address and I saw it located on the building, 
but it was located in something like a revamped shopping strip area, you know. And I thought to myself, this isn't a church. It's a shopping strip mall, you know. <laughs> what is this? Yeah. And I was like, this is definitely not what I was used to. I, it wasn't a brick building with a white steeple on top, you right. know. And this wasn't a shop. This was just a shopping area. And the only indication that told me where the church was meeting was a sign with the name of the church printed on a white piece of paper taped to the glass door, <laughs> you know. Oh. And I was like, oh, this is so out of my element. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, uh. <laughs> I'm not sure about this. Yeah, it was definitely out of my comfort zone, you know. Yeah. And I was really hesitant to even go in. And I'm like, should we even go in? But we'd driven almost an hour, you know, to get there. And my friend wasn't about to let me sit in the car and not go in there. We're going in. Yeah. You know, that's what she said. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So we both entered the building and we found a small room set up with two long sets of chair or, you know, sections of chairs and an aisle down the center. You know, it made the sanctuary. Right. And there were people there to greet us. And we found two open seats together and we just went, quickly went and sat down. And we were there. As we were waiting for the service to get started, I began looking around at the other people that were there. And most of the people looked pretty normal, but yep. some people looked like, honestly, like they came off of the streets, possibly right. homeless. Right. You know, I really wasn't sure. And one lady in the back, she was wearing, she was dressed in like a black, low cut, seductive type dress, you know, and she was with another guy. And this was quite an odd mixture of people from all different kinds of backgrounds. So, I was like, all right, here we go. Yeah. Hey, what's going to happen? <laughs> so then the service began, and we sang, you know, three or four worship songs together, and we were seated, and then Eileen Fisher was introduced, and when she first began, she started making jokes, you know, making everybody laugh, which I really believe was on purpose to help us all just lighten up a bit right. and relax. Yeah. You know, I, I think she could tell by the looks on her faces that, you know, many of us had never experienced a prophetic meeting. And we were, like, scared. <laughs> so then she started talking individually, you know, to people and around the room, and she sp and, and spoke prophetic words over them, uh, words of encouragement and words of direction for their lives. It was nothing scary, yeah. nothing weird. Right. And I was, like, the third person to be spoken over, and she asked me to stand up, so I stood up. And she came over to me, and she began telling me things that God was doing in my life. And she basically, as many people say, she began reading my mail, right? you know, telling me things that only I know. And she pointed out areas of my life where the enemy had gained access to my life. She showed me strategic ways to kick him out of my life. Yeah. I mean, I was absolutely blown away by the words that she spoke and the powerful presence of the Holy Spirit speaking through her to me. I was weeping so much, you know, not because I was sad. But because I was so overwhelmed by the Spirit moving so powerfully in my heart that night. Oh, wow. wow. You know, when she finished speaking to me, she continued to make her way around the room to, you know, every other person that was there. She right. spoke words of encouragement, words of correction, in such a spirit of love that it brought such a peace to each and every person that was there. Wow. You know, and when it came time for Eileen to minister to the woman who was dressed sedu seductively in the back, you know, I saw Eileen stand in front of her. And she was kind of standing in the aisle. She told her to stand up, and yeah, get she up. was in the aisle right next to me. And she did this thing like she mimicked, like as if she was spitting on her. She didn't really spit on her, but she mimicked it, like, you know. And immediately, the woman began to look like she was having a seizure. And there was a couple of people who knew exactly what to do there. And as she began to shake, 
like looking like she's having a seizure. Yeah. They helped her lay back on the floor gently. They covered her with a blanket to bring modesty and comfort to her during that moment. And today, I know that this is called a manifestation of a demon. You know, when you yep. see that happening in a service. Yes. I didn't know that at the time. Right. So when this happened, I was seated right, you know, on the end of the aisle. And she was laying on the floor right next to me. And I looked down to see what was happening. But the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, keep your eyes on Eileen and don't give attention to the enemy. So I looked back at Eileen. She was the one who was in authority in the room, right? Right. So I looked back at Eileen, continued to minister and kept my focus on the miraculous work of the Holy Spirit that was being conducted that night. Yeah. So and when the, yeah, and when the service was over, everyone was so filled with joy, full of smiles and tears, and the woman who had the demonic spirit in her was delivered from the, the demon, and she was walking around with this huge smile on her face. She was saying, how am I so happy? I've never felt this way before. Oh, how this, this is so exciting, Woo-hoo. you know? She's like, yeah. Yeah, like she's experienced, obviously, <laughs> that she had not felt that freedom before. Right, right. And I just went up to her and I hugged her. I said, that's the power of the Holy Spirit. Isn't it awesome? You know, she was so blown away by how she felt. She just kept shaking her head, smiling from ear to ear, like, what is going on? You know, that is wild. And honestly, I looked around the room after the service ended and all those people that had, I had viewed, you know, as strange, odd, or, you know, people right off the street. I now saw them as my brothers and sisters in Christ. And I was filled with such a deep love for each and every one of them. Wow. Like, it was just crazy just how God just, the Holy Spirit just flipped it. You broke all that stuff. Right. Wow. Up and out of that all room. the judging that was in my mind <laughs> right. was gone, yeah. you know. And the Spirit of God, the Spirit of unity was so strong and thick in that little room. I honestly didn't want to leave. Wow. You know, it was just so wonderful. Right. I, I just right. wanted to keep staying there and soaking it all in, Right. right? But of course, you know, we had to go home. Right. But I will never forget that power-packed experience where I saw and felt such a strong spirit of unity I had never felt before. That's how God works. Yes. And that's the difference, see. That's the difference that the true presence of the Holy Spirit makes in a place. It's not about a building. Right, right. It's not about how good the worship music is. It's not about how charismatic the speaker or the preacher is. It's all about inviting the powerful presence of the Holy Spirit into your meeting place, no matter where you're meeting, because where the Spirit of the Lord is, that's where the true freedom is. Yes, and I love that. And that's how unity works, you know? Everyone there, everyone there submitted to the highest anointing in the room, right? which was Eileen Fisher. Yeah, right. You know, and this allowed the Holy Spirit to come in, unifying all of you, no judgment, only peace, joy, and love. And it really is beautiful when we allow God into our life and into our hearts. That's how true change happens. Yep. Right? Yes, it is. Yeah. In John 17, 1, Jesus prays for himself. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the time has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. This entire chapter is Jesus's prayer. From this chapter, we learn that the world is a tremendous battleground where the forces under Satan's power and those under God's authority are at war. Satan and his forces are motivated by bitter hatred for Christ and his forces. Jesus prayed for his disciples, including those of us who follow him today. He prayed that God would keep his chosen believers safe from Satan's power, setting them apart and making them pure and holy, uniting them through his truth. The devil has stepped up his persecution because he knows that 
his time is very short. Yes. We are living in the last days, and Satan's work has become more intense. Even though the devil is very powerful, as we can see by the condition of our world, he's always under God's control. That's right. Yeah. Right. We need to remember that. Yes. One of the reasons God allows Satan to work evil and bring temptation is that those who pretend to be Christ followers will be weeded out from Christ's true believers. Knowing that the least great confrontation with Jesus is near, Satan is desperately trying to recruit as great as an enemy force as possible for his final battle. Mm-hmm. In Revelation twelve seventeen, it says, Then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to make war against the rest of her offspring, yep. those who obey God's commandments and hold to the testimony of Jesus. And the dragon stood on the shore of the sea. The Apostle Paul tells us that we are in a spiritual battle. Yes. John says the war is still being waged, but the outcome has already been determined. Satan and his followers have been defeated and will be destroyed. Nevertheless, Satan is battling daily to bring more into his ranks and to keep his own from defecting to God's side. And he has guaranteed them victory. God will not lose the war but we must take certain not to lose the battle for our own souls. That's right. No one should waver in their commitment to Christ. A great spiritual battle is being fought, and there's no time for decision. Mm-hmm. Also, in Revelation sixteen sixteen, it talks about Armageddon, a strategic location near a prominent international highway leading north from Egypt through Israel, along the coast, and on to Babylon. Sinful people will unite to fight against God in a final play or rebellion. You know, many people think that Armageddon is a term for an end-time event, which it is, Yeah. but it's also an actual place where this great battle in Revelation will take place. I used to think yes. that. Mm-hmm. I used yeah. to think that it was just a battle. I never knew it was an actual place. Mm-hmm. So, Right. Yeah, many are already united against Christ and his people, those who stand for truth, peace, justice, and morality. Each one of our personal battles with evil foreshadows the great battle pictured here, where God will meet evil and destroy it once and for all. We need to be strong and courageous as we battle against sin and evil. We are fighting on the winning side. Again, we have to remember that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I would love to end with Psalm 133. It's a beautiful psalm about the joy of harmonious relationships. Yeah, it is. How truly wonderful and delightful it is to see brothers and sisters living together in sweet unity. It is as precious as the sacred scented oil flowing from the head of the high priest Aaron, dripping down upon his beard and running all the way down the collar of his robe. This harmony can be compared to the dew dripping from Mount Hermon, which flows down upon the hills of Zion. Indeed, that is where Yahweh has decreed his blessings will be found, the promise of life forevermore. David stated that unity is pleasant and precious. Unfortunately, unity isn't as prevalent in the church as as we have all mentioned as it should Mm be. Right, for sure. And people disagree and cause division over unimportant issues. Some delight in causing tension by discrediting others. Unity is important because it makes the church a positive example to the world and helps draw others to us. It helps us cooperate as body of believers as God meant us to, giving us a foretaste of heaven and it renews and revitalizes ministry because there's less tension to sap our energy. Living in unity doesn't mean we are all going to agree on everything. Each one of us are unique parts of the body, the church, with different gifts. There will be a multitude of different opinions, just as there are notes in a musical chord. 
what we must agree on our purpose in life to work together for God. Our outward expression of unity will reflect our inward unity of purpose. Yeah, I agree, Susan. You know, of course, we're going to have different opinions, right? Right. And one person is going to think their way is better than someone else's. I mean, mm-hmm. come on, right. we've all been there. But that's why we need to include God in all of our decisions, because he knows what will work best, and he will guide us accordingly, right? Right. right. And as I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, unity is something that the Lord had laid on my heart many years ago before I wrote my first book. He lit a flame deep within me, and it's only grown stronger over the years. So unity is something that has been lacking here on earth for a really long time. But God's about to change all of that, and I'm so ready for it. You guys ready? To- I'm ready yes. for it. Yeah. All right, I want to share a word that the Lord gave me about unity. And he spoke this word to me on November the 13th, 2022. And here's what he said. Unity is being one with me. It is all of my children being one with me. One heart, one mind. Together, we flow and operate together as one. It is my love flowing through you in harmony, where there is peace, love, and joy. And I want to give you the definition of harmony. It's the just adaption of parts to each other in any system or composition of things intended to form a connected whole as the harmony of the universe. I thought that was really beautiful. Harmony means all parts of us adapting together to form a connected whole. You know, just wonderful. Mm -hmm. Jesus continues, put away your old way of thinking. It is not from me. I am bringing you into a new era. This unity, this oneness with me will release a tidal wave of blessings that I have held back for this specific time and this specific remnant. Your way of life has now changed. The old has gone. The new has come. It has already been decreed. Now declare it. It is yours. These blessings are yours for your children and grandchildren. As you flow in unity with me, I will show you many things. I will teach you new things. My people, my children will flow together in unity. You will no longer be divided. You will operate as one in me. And from this place, you will establish many new things. You will conquer much. You will stand strong in me. And with me, you will accomplish mighty things. The old has gone. The new has come. Many will be astonished as these new things come flooding in. It is my love for you, these blessings that are coming. You have fought. You have stood. And your faith is strong. You did not give up, even when you were so exhausted from the fight. You continue to stand and push through in this fight. It is because of this that you will know this new unity and you will do great things together in me and through me. Joy unspeakable is coming. I am delighted in you, my children. This new unity will be felt all around the world. It cannot be denied. It will hit many like a crashing wave that will knock them off of their feet. More and more will come to know me in the coming days and months, adding to the unity of my children. Yes, joy unspeakable is coming. Get ready to experience this unity as we go into a new era, an era that will change everything. The old has gone. The new has come. It is for you, my children, because I love you. And I love that he said it has already been decreed. Yes. It's done. It's done. And it's already in place. We just got to catch up to that. Right. 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 Just accept it. Mm -hmm. Father. And I love that he repeated the old is gone. (laughs) The new has come. He said that several times. Right. You know, the Lord wants us to get it. It's already done in heaven. Just like you said, Mm -hmm. the old ways are gone. 
the new way is here. That means big changes are coming. I'm ready, man. Yes. I am too. And we know that it can't continue the way it is. You know, our, our enemy, he has to be dealt with. We can't hide from him or this situation anymore. We have to take authority over the devil and all that he has done to destroy God's creation. Unity is a good place to start because there's strength in numbers. And God spoke a word to me about this several months ago. There are more of us than there are of them. And as we unite together, the victory will come. We will win this fight. God has spoken it through many of his prophets. This unity will bring in peace and blessings will flow from our Father because he loves us. And start declaring that the old has gone and the new has come. It has been decreed in heaven and we need to manifest it here on earth. Speak it, declare it, and believe it. The old has gone, the new has come. The body of Christ is in unity. All right, time to close. Mm. We hope you enjoyed our discussion today on unity, and we hope it encourages you. And for the next few weeks, we will be elaborating on the words that the Lord gave each of us for the new year. So stay tuned. Yeah. And so we just want to close with this scripture from 1 Peter 3, 8 through 9. Finally, all of you should be of one mind. Sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tenderhearted and keep a humble attitude. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. This is what God has called you to do, and he will grant you his blessing. That's good. That is. All right. Today's episode was edited by Caitlin Beck. We so appreciate you, Caitlin. We want to reference a couple of books by Aileen Fisher that Laura was talking about earlier. The first one is Embraced by the Spirit. The other one is Embracing the Prophetic. You can also go to her website at EileenFisher.org to get more information. And we mentioned a few articles earlier, so if you would like to check them out, we will put the links in the notes section of this episode. Before you go, we invite you to please leave a written review anywhere you listen to this podcast. The more positive reviews we receive will lead to more listeners that God can reach. Also, please subscribe. We would appreciate it very much. And we just want to thank you for listening and allowing us to pour pure truth into you today. And we would love to hear from you, so email us at puretruthpodcast3, the number three, at gmail.com. All right, and please visit our websites. Mine is kathyzaka.com. Mine is laurapotter.us. And mine is susanoffen.com. And we hope you'll join us next time, and remember to live thirsty. Thank you, and may the Lord bless you and keep you, and may his face shine upon you and give you his peace. All right, until next time. Susan, Laura, and Kathy. Welcome to Transforming 45, the podcast that celebrates the incredible power of passionate voices. I'm your host, Lisa Boat. Join me in conversation with heart-led humans who share their deeply personal stories of transformation. Transforming 45 is here to uplift, connect, and remind you that it's never too late to write your next chapter. So get ready to be inspired, empowered, and transformed. Join me in this community where through powerful storytelling, we heal and reclaim our inherent magic. Electric Acid. Hey guys, it's Miriam Love here, and I want to share something very special with you. Check out my new release, All In, the Spanish remixes out now on Electric Cast Records. And always remember, be love, share love, all love. Available now wherever you listen to music. Electric Cast.
Futurecast.